Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from San Diego, my guest is the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Art of Being Unmistakable. He is the host and founder of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, with more than 500 episodes having been produced of a show that has over 440 five-star ratings on iTunes. He has been interviewed by Glenn Beck, who called the Art of Being Unmistakable book, quote, one of the most important pieces of writing I have seen in quite some time, end quote. My guest was also a keynote speaker at the recent first-ever podcast movement, a multi-day event in Dallas that drew over 600 attendees, and he had also co-founded Blogcast FM and written another book called The Small Army Strategy, A Guide for Turning Fans and Followers into Fanatics and Friends for Life. It is my pleasure to welcome Srini Rao. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, my gratitude for taking time today to talk to me for the show. I sincerely appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So I had the pleasure of being in Dallas for that podcast movement a few weeks ago and was really quite moved uh, by your keynote address, as, as I think you know. We're going to get into some of your backstory to give people a sense of where this all comes from. But mm. do you actually consider yourself a, if, I, if I'm using the right word, motivational speaker? Because a lot of what you talk about, and again, we'll be getting into this here on the show, is really kind of a harsh dose of reality. Um, you know, no, I wouldn't really consider myself a motivational speaker. I'm, you know, the founder of a media company who happens to speak on occasion. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's really what, what I would say. Uh, you know, I mean, I think speaking is a natural byproduct of building, a, you know, an online presence or a platform of any sort, but it's not my bread and butter. Um, so no, I wouldn't say I'm a motivational speaker. Okay. Fair enough. Um, And just to set the stage for the listeners, especially those of you who are aspiring singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who subscribe to the podcast to keep learning more each week from these guests who have achieved success in the music business or entertainment industry, I felt that Srini has a very inspirational story, but also a very real story that needs to be heard because... Since I say so much on this show that it's not all the glamour it appears to be, meaning the entertainment business, what Srini has to say does kind of reinforce, say, the sink or swim mentality, for example, that Melissa Joyner talked about, my guest on episode 28. Once you hear where Srini has been, you'll understand that while you do need to set goals, they've got to be realistic, and you also have to understand say, like Shauna P. talked about on episode one, actually, of this podcast, and then Shannon McGrain talked about on episode three, from their experiences on The Voice and American Idol, respectively, 
becoming the next Bruno Mars or the next Christina Aguilera is a long shot and will not happen overnight. So, Srini, take the listeners to the point where you actually moved to South America and talk about your mindset going into that. What took you down there and, and, and then how it turned out? Yeah. Um, you know, I lived in Costa Rica, uh, which actually is technically Central America. But, um, you know, I, I, I was working at a day job and my hours got cut to 10 hours a week. So I thought, you know, OK, well, now I have a job and I don't have to be here to do the job. So I told my boss, let me go do the job from somewhere else, thinking that I have now achieved the four hour work week, um, which is a bit of a fallacy, because the thing is that you one you you don't everything is more expensive than you think it is uh and you're still kind of at somebody else's mercy and when that comes to an end you're kind of screwed so you know i went down uh thinking that i was going to be free i was going to surf all day which i did i mean i surfed a lot (laughs) uh, which was cool but at the same time it gave me a harsh reality check because you know the job came to an end and then i was like oh i'm here i don't have much money um saved up and this is not the dream that i thought it was going to be you know i mean i think that it, it's really easy to sort of romanticize and glamorize the lives of the people who do cool things online because you only see the good stuff, right? We don't get on Facebook and say, oh, you know, my life just went to shit. Uh, <laughs> you don't get on Twitter and say, you know, holy fuck, I, I'm you know, feeling miserable. But those things happen. I mean, those things are real. They're part of life and everybody goes through them. Uh, the question becomes, you know, do you come out of the other side of it stronger and better for having gone through it or do you let it consume you and let it define you? Uh, you know, and I, I realize, you know, no one experience in our lives, uh, you know, of any kind, you know, whether it's sort of uh, the loss of something, you know, someone, whatever it is, it defines who you are as a person and ultimately defines your whole sort of world um, if you don't let it. And that's that's really what I would say about that period in my t- time is that it was actually tremendously influential. It put me into a mode of, okay, I'm going to have to really bust my ass here if this is going to happen. Um, and that was that was not that was a long time ago and it's still you know it still influences me i mean you know i think as one of the things i said in, in podcast movement there's this sort of myth of a moment when you think you've made it and you never really make it and if you think you've made it then you're in real trouble because that's when all the problems start <laughs> now when you say i'm going to i'm going to you realized i'm going to have to bust my ass if if i'm going to make this happen do you mean mm-hmm. living the surfing life or or uh you know a career online or both. No, a career. Both. Well, a career. Both, I would say. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, a career online is a funny way to look at it because it's not just a career online; it's a career. Uh, and so, online happens to be the medium for it, sure. and, and that's what we have to make sure that it, it's not, you know, it's not left out. But it just, you know, whatever career you choose, whether online or offline, you want to do well, you're going to have to work at it, and that there's there's no way around that. Uh, but let's set the record straight. I I got to believe you're doing lots of surfing out in San Diego. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I surf <laughs> daily, but I mean, it's still, I mean, I still have to work. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, as as I mentioned, this has been one of the more challenging years of my life for several reasons. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, you you don't, here's here's one thing that, that people forget. And this is something I can't take credit for. My, my business partner uh, and my mentor and advisor, Greg Hartle, he had a good point. He said that, you know, you forget that what you're building is a living, breathing thing. And it, you don't get to a point where you don't have to feed that mm. living, breathing thing. You mm. know, it, it, it doesn't just, you don't get to one day where you can say, hey, here you go, put it on autopilot. Now I'm just going to hang out and surf all day. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. 
Yeah, nicely said. Nicely said. And and again, I like the analogy, you know, because uh, the you know the the glamour aspect and and you know from a distance of what people think it is. I'm I'm because I'm based in Tampa, Florida. I'm picturing about seven eight hours south of us, Key West. And a lot of the musicians would say, "Boy, wouldn't that be great to just go and play gigs down in Key West all the time?" And again, it sounds like it would be, but. As you're saying, it's a living, breathing thing. Well, how are you going to get those gigs, and is it going to be enough to to be sustainable? You know, are you, are you just looking to play gigs and and live on the beach? Because again, there's there's work that has to be done. Are you working on new material? Are you changing your show? Are you rehearsing with a new player that you're going to bring into the band? So, uh, all all very relevant. I want to walk through some quotes from your speech at the podcast movement in Dallas a few weeks ago because. As I alluded to before, I do want to bring out more of your backstory, but also a lot of this resonated with me as it relates to not only the performing clients that I work with, but the listeners of this show. So music, of course, is art. And you said, and this is a quote from what you said in Dallas, great art isn't something that gets created on an assembly line. Mm -hmm. So take the listeners back to what led up to what is now the great imagery for all of the unmistakable creative episodes? Because I know you kind of told that story in Dallas of what what that actually started out as. One of the things that I, I like to do is, is take on creative projects that have nothing to do with you know my actual work. Uh, and last year, one of them was uh, to learn how to draw because I've never known how to draw and I'm not very good at it. I'm still not very good at it, but I thought, you know, this will be fun. So I, you know, I got a book called how to teach yourself to draw in 30 days. And, uh, I just documented the entire project from start to finish on Instagram, uh, which really it was, was kind of fun because my only goal was to see if I could improve. What I didn't realize is how much that would actually influence everything we did going forward. Uh, because, you know, as, as you'd mentioned at the beginning of the show, originally Unmistakable Creative was called Blogcast FM, and we kind of gutted the whole thing and, and rebranded this year. Uh, and in the process of coming up with Unmistakable Creative, you know, I, I was paying very close attention to what my friend Sarah Steenland was doing. And I was intrigued because she actually has real skills as an artist. And so, I knew I couldn't draw, but I thought, well, if I can't draw, I could collaborate with somebody who does. So I went to her and asked her if she would be willing to do, you know, a little illustration for our interviews. And, and what she came back with was, you know, what you basically see now as, as a standard part of what we do. And, it, you know, I think that um, one of the things that was interesting about that is it was all sparked by that whole 30-day drawing project because I think drawing teaches you to see the world in a different way and you see things that you wouldn't otherwise see. And and that's actually very cool. Like I had a whole other appreciation for the visual art in a way that I never did before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I'm curious about that 30 day period because I've asked a lot of songwriters on the podcast, do you schedule time to songwrite? I know a lot of people will jump up in the middle of the night and grab their iPhone and sing a mm-hmm. lyric or whatever it is. But is that that 30 days, it sounds to me like it had to have some sort of structure to it if you yeah, were going to do it in 30 days. Yeah, I mean, my, my goal was one sketch every single day. It didn't matter if it was good. It was just draw something every single day. And, you know, some days I drew more and other days I drew less. But I literally would just sit down in the afternoon after I was done with, you know, whatever I needed to do. And I would just draw. And, you know, whatever showed up on the paper showed up on paper. And it was really cool. And it was just like, oh, this is fun. And and what was cool is to see that I was actually making progress and making improvement. And, 
you like I would look at what was in the book and be like, oh my God, I'm actually creating what's in the book. It looks kind of like that. And other times, <laughs> it would be like, wow, this looks nothing like what's in the book. <laughs> uh, but it was just fun, you know. I, and that's that's the thing I think we, we have to get our heads around with something like that is that you're not doing it for any intended outcome. Um, you're just doing it because it's fun and it's interesting. Well, but I also like the element of honesty, the the element of surrender, the element of collaboration, where you did get to a point where you said, my drawing is actually improving, but I need to hand this over to someone who can do something real with it that I'm going to be perfectly comfortable with putting it out publicly uh, yeah. and, and, you know, playing to someone else's strengths, you know, and, and realizing that, look, I'm doing this and I'm showing improvement, but it's not to where I want it to be. And right. there's probably other areas of strength that I'd rather focus on. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 absolutely true. You know, I mean, my forte, my gift is really interviewing people more than anything else. So, but it didn't mean that I couldn't take the interview experience and enhance it into something else. You know, because each interview we do has byproducts, and you know, one of the byproducts is the artwork, and other is cool quotes, and other is is just an amazing story. So, you know, everything you create is going to have byproducts, and that's really something you know to think about. And so, creative media uh, is that. Is that different from the actual podcast? Is that just the company name? Uh, just looking for a, a differentiation between the two. Um, no, I mean, that's a good question. Unmistakable Media really is, uh, it, it's our company brand. I mean, it's our company. So, you know, under under the Unmistakable Media umbrella, the podcast is one of, of many things that we're working on, uh, all with sort of the common thread that, you know, Unmistakable Media is the voice of disruption. So <laughs> the idea is that, you know, we've got these stories that we want to tell and we want to use various forms of media telling them the podcast happens to be one of them, an instigator experience, you know, our, our annual event happens to be another one. And then there is, um, you know, in addition to that, we're, we're working soon on some animation stuff. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff coming. And then, of course, we publish books. So, you know, the idea really is, is to take all these forms of media and tell stories using them. Very good. This, uh, this next question it may not really start off uh, sounding the way I want it to, but you'll see where I'm going this, with this. I was going to ask you, what advice you have for those listeners that are performers clamoring to get their music heard by music industry people. And the reason I'm building from this is because another one of your quotes in Dallas was, true mastery is figuring out what those talents are and nurturing them until people can't not pay attention. And I liked that, except that I think people need to understand the difference between that and being a pest, being too overbearing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, if I'm a musician, you know, I always think of people who are friends of mine who are musically talented, and I always wonder why they haven't recorded an album and put it on iTunes. I mean, that's the thing that's cool about the world we live in today is you just keep putting stuff out. Um, and, and, and the thing is, is, it's just, you know, sort of the rule of working and working and working. I mean, if you went back and listened to podcasts that we recorded even a year ago, hell, even ones we recorded at the beginning of this year, and you compare them to the ones that were recorded in the last couple of months, there's a difference. There's a, a distinct difference because... I'm always producing, I'm always creating, so the skill is always building and sort of my ability to master that skill is always evolving. Yeah, and that's that's a great testimony to, to not, I was going to say to not being complacent, but in a sense, it's, as you said, that that your partner had stated, you know, that it's it's a living, breathing thing that needs to be fed and, and you're feeding it with creativity and not just saying, there we go, we have a podcast and let's just put it on cruise control. Exactly. 
Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from San Diego is Srini Rao, the author of The Art of Being Unmistakable, which you can get at Amazon.com and through Amazon Kindle. He is also the host of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, which you can find on iTunes as well as through UnmistakableCreative.com. You can also follow at UnmistakableCR on Twitter. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I always welcome your feedback about the podcast. Post your comments on that Facebook page that I just mentioned, facebook.com slash nowhearthisinc. Srini, continuing on with some of your quotes from your keynote in Dallas, you said, and I think this is a great one for people who are out there creating original music, you said, if you look at something you created and it doesn't turn you on, how the heck is it going to turn someone else on? Mm-hmm. I, think that's yeah. a, I think that's a great approach for music. I think it's a great approach to entrepreneurs in general. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, that's the thing, right? I mean, at least here's here's the way I look at that. If nobody else likes it, at least you created something that you've enjoyed creating and that you're proud of. That's what really, because then you get a, a level of satisfaction from it uh, that I don't think you'd otherwise get. Yeah, and I think that's a point where you need to ask yourself, am I doing this just as a hobby or am I doing it because it's supposed to be intended as a business? Mm-hmm. Uh, a great piece of advice that you gave, and listeners, you should be seeing a pattern here of how so much of what Srini has to say is applicable to trying to have a career in music or the entertainment business. He said that people need to ask themselves, quote, can I do this for 10 years, and do I want to be doing this for 10 years? Did did reaching that conclusion, Srini, come out of a personal experience? Um, yeah, to some degree. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, I, I think when I had mentioned it in the speech, you know, I, I had to take a look back and think, wow, we've done this for half a decade, uh, which is crazy. You know, I mean, who spends half a decade on a project up until now? I mean, it would have been much more cost effective for me to go get a job uh, <laughs> or more profitable. But, you know, I kind of saw the the bigger. So the expected value of doing this to me was much greater. Uh, and I just felt that this is something I had to do and this is something I was born to do. I mean, that, that's the one question that never has come up in my mind is, oh, am I born to do this? I mean, I know that I'm good at what I do, but I also know that I've worked my ass off to master this skill. And I think that, you know, like I think it'll be a whole other level in a few years as far as, you know, the skill set. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really I mean, if you think about it, like I got my first lucky break after five years of work. Uh, and that lucky break hasn't carried me, you know, it, it was a catalyst, but you can't count on those. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten there without the five years of work. Interesting. Interesting. And I have two follow-up questions f- for openers. I'm kind of thinking of the, the traditional job interview environment where a potential employer will say to a candidate, where do you see yourself in five years? Or, or in this case, we're saying 10 years. Mm-hmm. Where do where do you see this going? Where 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 do you see yourself and 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 unmistakable in in five years and ten years? I, I assume that that you're in this for the long haul and that and that you just intend to continue growing it for five or ten years at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's that's safe to say. I, I, you know, God forbid anything horrible happens, but yeah. I mean, the next five 
next, I mean, really in the next two years really is, is what you want to think about. I think that, you know, the five-year thing is, is a little bit dangerous because if, if we think about it, if you had asked me five years ago, would I be producing events? I would have laughed. I mean, I remember walking on the way to our event thinking, wow, two years ago I was here attending an event and now I'm on my way to the event that I'm the creator of mm. uh, in the same, you know, area of downtown LA. And so there's always going to be things that change, things that, you know, change your life, things that happen differently than you expected and you kind of adjust along the way. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, where do I see this going? That's a good question. And, and what I would say is, you know, unmistakable media really is going to be sort of a force of nature uh, that in my mind really we will be sort of the go-to resource for stories about people who are disrupting the world and really sort of, you know, conversation change agents and, and really moving things forward about things that have been ignored by the media, mainstream media and, and really shining a light on amazing stories and amazing people. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the goal really, I think we've gotten to the point where we know we have an amazing product. Uh, that I think that's pretty clear from, you know, sort of the, the way our listeners have reacted. But what I think really comes next is is scaling that and, and really turning it into a true media company. And that's 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 a whole different animal, I think, than just an individual starting a podcast. I mean, we're you know, we've started to build out our team. Somebody new came on board to handle the business development side and, and now it's just a matter of growing and scaling and, and really taking it up a notch um, and taking the craft more seriously. I'm gonna take a pretty sharp right turn here from that that deep business insight to something more philosophical. But a few minutes ago, you talked about, I don't know that this is necessarily what I was born to do. I've just worked hard at it. Is there such a thing as as what you were born to do? Have you found that out yet? Do you think you'll ever find it out? Does it, Does anyone ever find out this is what I was born to do? You know, that's a, that's a good question and a tough one. Um, yeah, you know, it, it takes us to a discussion that is a strange one about talent, right? You know, it's it's a harsh reality, but some people just don't have the talent of the thing that they're trying to quote unquote make it in. And if that's the case, then you know you've got a hobby. And so I don't know that everybody will figure it out. I think there are certain people who are born to do certain things and they're just built a certain way. You know, like you look at a guy like Elon Musk, right? That's that's not something that um that's trained. That's something you're born with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, I guess some people could argue, uh, you know, that a world class Olympic sprinter, he was he was born with that speed, and and perhaps he was, but again, it, it still marries the you know the idea that you put before, which is I wasn't born to do this. I've just w- worked my ass off, and same thing with him. Yes, he mm-hmm. was he was born with with tremendous world class speed, but if he didn't nurture it and and feed it again to to repeat that theme. Uh, and and really, you know, practice and start from a young age. Then I'm sure he wouldn't be running in the Olympic Games every four years. Yeah, I hear you. I want to just run two more quotes from Dallas, and then we'll move on because I want to talk, Sereni, about your podcast and your book. You made a reference in your keynote to standing in two spots in a room, saying, "With every single step you take forward, the view starts to change." So, just talk about that and fill fill the listeners in um, about that portion of of what your speech was. Yeah, you know, the thing is that a lot of people don't start because they they want to have like all their ducks in a the row. They want to have like the whole thing planned out or whatever it is. Something keeps them from starting, and they think that 
you know, they're going to have sort of a, a moment when all the lights are green. But the reality is that that's never the case. Uh, you have to sort of take a step because, you know, when you stand in two different spots in the same room, you do see different things. And so with each step forward, other things will be revealed to you. So you have to start in order for the next step to be revealed. Yeah, it sounds to me like like you're describing the element of courage, really. Yeah, you know, of course there's an element of courage because you're probably not going to be very good at what you do when you start. But that's that's how you find out and that's how you learn what you need to do to become good at what you do. Yeah, and to convince yourself that I may not have all my ducks in a row. However, I'm passionate about this. I believe in this project. I'm, I'm going to start it. And then, as you say, step somewhere else in the room and take a look at it from that perspective. What does it need? How do I grow it? Where am I going with it? Exactly. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is a short but important one. Songwriters, do co-writes just to sometimes find out that you don't mesh with someone. Trial and error will get you with the people who you do feel a connection with. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. So one part of my business is helping performers or even some businesses with branding and image. In the case of singers, that even includes getting into things like helping with wardrobe selection and song selection. You obviously want to stand out but need to be strategic, though, meaning cookie cutter won't get it done. And in my notes from Srini's presentation in Dallas, I wrote down, Copy equals pale imitation equals ignored. So, Srini, elaborate for us on that, if you would. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, right, you know, we look at things that work and we think that, hey, you know what, I'm going to do that because it worked for that person. But <laughs> there's one big variable in that, that person. Uh, you know, the human being is, is the, the definitive variable in everything, and, and we sometimes forget that. So it's tempting to follow formulas because it's like, oh, cool, you know, this guy did it. Here's his, you know, foolproof system for how I'm going to become the next him. And you realize, okay, well, no, that's not going to work because you're not him, and really you shouldn't be trying to become him. You've got unique gifts and talents that would serve you uh, better if you embraced them and nurtured them. But just... So I want to use the example of, uh, you know, I hear a lot of girls that say, I want to be the next Taylor Swift. Is there not an aspect, though, that that is okay in terms of they're kind of setting a, a destination, sort of a sort of a path that they want to follow? And if I'm sure. and if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think the the danger is that we we confuse modeling somebody and mimicking somebody like you can learn from somebody like a Taylor Swift, but then you've got to infuse what you know, is your unique sort of style that you bring to it um, in a way that only you could. Which sounds like you're going back to our discussion that we just had on, are you born with it? What are your talents? What are your gifts? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, You have said that you are, and I like this, I like this quote, you are not a podcaster, you're a storyteller that happens to use podcasting as a medium to get those out. Mm-hmm. So give the Now Hear This Entertainment listeners some insight as to the variety of guests you're interviewing and the stories that are being told. Yeah, I mean, we've had everybody from performance psychologists to artists to bank robbers um, to entrepreneurs to you know cartoonists. I mean, it, it's all all across the gamut. And the thing is that 
like I said, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by people with interesting stories. I don't care that they're you know podcasters or that they have a million followers on Twitter or any of that. What I'm curious about is, okay, is this story fascinating? Is it riveting? Will it keep a listener hanging on the edge of their seat to want to hear more? Well, talk then about, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's sad, I guess this is just the way that society is and the way our brains become conditioned, but when you say a bank robber, um, you know, as I sit and, and I look for guests for my show and I do scheduling and who, who makes sense, you know, who would be a good fit, what is it about a bank robber that, and I'm not saying this critically, you know, I want to want to be clear on that. What is it about that that intrigues you that says, I think this guy has a story to tell? Well, and this actually takes us to sort of the fundamental theme of my podcast movement speech, which was curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious about people like this. I'm like, okay, you've come out of the other side of something that's kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> I want to hear this story. Uh, and so that's that's really sort of the driving force behind how I do so many of the things I do. I'm just curious. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from San Diego is Srini Rao, the author of The Art of Being Unmistakable, which you can get at Amazon.com and through Amazon Kindle. He is also the host of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, which you can find on iTunes as well as through unmistakablecreative.com. You can also follow at UnmistakableCR on Twitter. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Please tell others about it as well, and feel free to use the social media buttons there to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And as I mentioned before, I always welcome your feedback about the podcast. Post your comments on that Facebook page that I just mentioned. Srini, at the outset of the show, I probably should have given you the opportunity. Just go ahead, if you would, and... and the, the listeners, obviously, uh, by and large, were not there in Dallas. So just talk a little about this whole concept of, of disruption and, and the fact that that's kind of you know, where Unmistakable is, ha- has evolved from. Yeah, I mean, it kind of takes us back to, to stories of people who are disrupting the world in very unique ways uh, by taking whatever is, has happened to them and making something wonderful out of it. Um, and that's, you know, that's really cool. I mean, the guy, the fact that a guy who robs banks has now become sort of a talking head on crime and a voice for, for people on the inside of, of our prison system. That's, that's amazing. You know, and, and I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, we've had people from the education world who are really challenging the status quo in education and saying, you know, this is bullshit. Like the education system is screwed up. So that really is, is sort of the idea of the voice of disruption is, hey, you know, we're, we're people who are disrupting the world through our messages and we have things that need to be heard. And I think that what Unmistakable Creative does is it gives those people a voice. So, and, and I hope the listeners are, are as interested in this as I am as a podcaster, but uh, take, take me through, you know, is it I read the newspaper and I say, gee, this person sounds like an interesting person to interview? Is it, uh, you know, people suggest guests to me, I'm surfing the internet, I'm reading a blog. What, what are some of the stimulants um, that, that bring some of these people to your attention? It's a combination of all of those, actually. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll see a story and think, "Wow, this would be a fascinating person to talk to." Other times, it'll come from one of our listeners who says, "Hey, you should get you know this person on the podcast." So it really, and then of course, sometimes I'll read a book that somebody has written and it intrigues me. So it really is is kind of a mixture of all of those. 
Well, I must commend you. I, I, I love the element of sometimes it will come from a listener who suggests you should get so-and-so on the podcast. It it tells me that you're obviously in touch with your audience. Uh, you know, let's say that... Um, I say that in the sense that, you know, your show has tremendous success and it could get to the point where you could step back and say, this is a little overwhelming. I don't have the time to read everything that people post, everything that people send in. Uh, But obviously, you know, you value their participation, quote unquote, in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're the listeners. Why wouldn't I value their participation? Well, it it does sound you know rather common sense, uh, you know, but I but I think I think people do unfortunately go through those experiences again, and I think that's why you're you're building off of this whole idea of disruption that you know it's kind of the uh, uh, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore kind of thing. You know, I'm I'm watching a TV show or I'm listening to a radio show and I'm sending in my comments or writing to the newspaper and nobody ever prints them, nobody ever returns my email, my phone call, and you're saying, no, bring it on. That's why I'm doing this. Right, exactly. I mentioned in the show intro uh, that you not only get great guests but tremendous traffic and ratings for your show and you briefly started to allude to uh, business development. I, I kind of wanted to to peel back the, the the Wizard of Oz curtain, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, and, and find out how how big or small is the unmistakable creative team that's making all this happen. Um, it's not very big. I mean, we have an artist in Australia who lives on a boat, me, and then uh, our business development person who joined recently. So it's just you know, I mean, it's it's being resourceful. Uh, and and we'll probably grow significantly over the next year or two. But yeah, it's a combination of, of, you know, a small group of people who just work really hard and are good at what they do. And how does someone in San Diego find someone that's in Australia to be a part of a, a three-man team? Strangely, uh, through our listeners. No kidding. Yeah, that's where actually most of these people have come from. Are you at liberty to, to, to tell that story about the Australia find? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we kind of talked about it uh, when we discussed, you know, the artist that I was speaking of when we were talking about drawing. The reason I knew her is because she is one of the listeners of our podcast. Amazing, amazing. And your book, which I've which I've plugged and had mentioned in the intro as a Wall Street Journal bestseller, just take us through how that project came to be, and and then you how how you achieved such success with it. Um, yeah. So, you know, the funny thing is the book was self-published. I was, you know, writing a series of just ridiculously long Facebook status updates and I started to see that they were becoming very resonant with people. I thought, you know, I wonder if there's a book here. Um, so, you know, I gave a speech called the art of being unmistakable at a conference. And, uh, when I got home, I thought, you know, maybe there is a book here. So I started to just assemble it. And eventually I, I put it out, uh, with no idea what it was going to come from it. And, uh, you know, it sold a couple hundred copies in the first two weeks and then Glenn Beck stumbled on it and, uh, it just kind of took off and went gangbusters from there. Amazing story because there are so many people. And, and as you said earlier, you know, the technology is such today that it is easy for someone to self-publish. And again, it, it, it still ties into this whole recurring theme of how hard you work at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah. and to self-publish and say, let's see if this thing sells at all. Versus now, granted, you you know, you did get the, the traction from from Glenn Beck, uh, right. but at the same time, I, you don't strike me as the kind of person that would just put it there and sit back and say, oh well, you know, maybe it'll sell, maybe it won't. 
No, I mean, I, you know, I reached out to my community. I reached out to people who I knew could help support it, who could, who could push it forward and, and who could, you know, talk about it. And, and that helped a lot. You know, it had like 25 star reviews on the first day. So I knew how to get it up in the rankings. Um, so yeah, I didn't just throw it out there and sit back and wait for magic to happen. Well, and, and that sort of speaks to, I, I did want to talk about the, the Glenn Beck interview. I, I, I know that, you know, I, I saw a clip on YouTube where he says, you know, I never do this and I never do this and I never do this. And, you know, but it, you know, he was, he was on Amazon and to suggest, you know, here's something else that you might like, you know, other people have bought this and, and not only did he click on it, which he said he never does, but then he said, you know, I never read the preview chapter, but I read the preview chapter. I, I have no reason to doubt him that that's how it took place, but at the same time, I have to believe that it was a lot of what you just described, pushing your book to make sure it would get ranked to, right. to put it physically in a position where someone like him could see it. Yeah, no doubt. There, there's no question that, that that had to have happened. And and can you just kind of describe you know how, how that happened and, and, and how you felt? I'm sure they obviously had to contact you to say, hey, Glenn yeah. found... Well, you know, it's funny. I, I actually only knew because I lo- logged into the Amazon dashboard and, and, or, you know, I logged in. I said, oh, it was number one in the entrepreneurship category. And then I went and looked at the sales numbers. I was like, what the hell is going on here? This book sold a thousand copies in one day. Wow. Um, and I tweeted about it and somebody said, oh, you might want to thank Glenn Beck. He raved about your book on his show today. And I was no like, kidding. okay. And I knew nothing about Glenn at that time. Wow. And, and so then uh, how, how, did, how did the interview come to pass did 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 they um, i contact i just contacted his team or i contacted him you know i found an email address from him and said hey i'm the guy who wrote the book you mentioned and i just wanted to say thanks mm. and then his team contacted me and said hey glenn wants to have you come into the studio to talk about the book and you know the sort of media circus erupted from there no kidding fantastic and uh his show is done where uh in dallas and so uh, is there is there anything that they do for you, or is it? Hey, we're having you on the Glenn Beck show. You can get yourself here. You can no, no they your- do everything. No, they do everything for you. They they fly you out. They they put you up in a hotel. It's it's all pretty cool, actually. Amazing. And uh, as I understand it, you're you're still in touch with him as we speak. Yeah, I am. So let's just have a little fun now, uh, since we're pretty much always talking music on this podcast. Who do you like? Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, you know, what are you listening to these days? Um, um, I, I like Dave Matthews. I like you too. Um, you know, uh, Ben Harper, stuff like that. And as far as going for live music, do you, you know, hit hit kind of the local club scene, or are you kind of somebody no, that mean, likes I'll, the big stadium see- shows? Yeah, I tend to like bigger stadium shows depending on who the the artist is. And you mentioned uh some some friends that are that are in music. Anybody that's that's doing anything noteworthy? Uh not that I can think of off the top of my head. And and have you ever been interested in music at all? Well, I mean, I was in band in high school and I got into the USC School of Music for performance. Uh, I played the tuba for 13 years, but wow. uh, that was kind of the end of it. And I think USC, I think their marching band might be the ones that played on the uh, on the live Fleetwood Mac album, uh, gosh, it was several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, uh, obviously, an, another feather in their cap, in, in addition to to so much more that that they're known for. Right. Uh, so, Serini, the the people that have not yet listened to your show, um, you know, to me, it's it's just go and listen to it. 
but but what what would what would you like to say to those people um you know kind of i, I don't want to say the elevator pitch because take as long as you want um, sure. but, but just to get it right from the source you know of of why they should go and listen to that well, I mean, I think it, it really applies to anybody who's doing creative work. And, and the other thing, I'll, I'll just quote listeners. I mean, people say the show is super addictive. Like most people don't listen to one episode. They binge listen. Like when people stumble up on the podcast, um, they go through the entire archive. Well, <laughs> the entire archive could take quite a while. Uh, yeah. o- over 500 episodes now, correct? That's correct. And, and you're releasing on, on what schedule? Every Monday and Wednesday. So two a week, uh, and um, is it a case of recording each one? In other words, you don't you don't do two in one day and and get no, them. No, I mean I, I record as as you know they're they're sort of scheduled. I mean we're usually about a month ahead of, of schedule. Okay, okay, wow, wow, that's amazing. So it's been over the course of how many years then? Um, over the course at the end of this year, it'll be five years. Amazing, amazing, yeah. and so. <laughs> For purposes of this show, and, and, and never mind, you know what what the uh, general consensus was or was not in Dallas. Um, you know, just talk about about podcasting in general. You know, we we talked uh, last week. Um, the episode was was with Steve Cherubino, who uh, is a uh, EDM producer, uh, electronic dance music, but he has been very successful in podcasting for years, and and he kind of gave his lay of the landscape in terms of where podcasting has been, where it is now, and, and where he sees it going. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to, for you to do the same. Well, I mean, it's weird because, you know, a few years ago people said it was going to die, but with the prevalence of mobile devices and, and people wanting on-demand entertainment, I think we're, we're really in the infancy of it. I mean, the opportunity is huge. And at the same time, that means the landscape is going to become very, very competitive. So really, at the end of the day, quality is going to go to the top, which... And that's that's kind of always been the case. It doesn't matter whether you start now, whether you start five years from now. If what you do is awesome, it will get heard. <laughs> I mean that that sounded so much like what Steve said last week, which uh, you know has to tell me that 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 the two of you um, are having the success in podcasting that you're having for a reason. And you know you're right. I mean everybody these days. I, I'm old-fashioned, you know. I, I'm I'm consuming most of what I'm listening to through my laptop, and uh, and I know that I'm in the minority. I, I I think it was talked about at the podcast movement in Dallas, you know, about the great percentage of people that are, uh, you know, using mobile devices, tablets, and and of course, um, now the next step. It sounds like, and I'd and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this as well. It sounds like the next step is cars that will be equipped. Uh, I know yeah. Stitcher Radio was the first. Uh, but I believe there's more on the way. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 coming. I mean, I, I think it's a given. I mean, I have Bluetooth in my car, so I listen to podcasts in the car. Um, but yeah, that's 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 definitely around the corner. Well, make no mistake, listeners, uh, the future of podcasting definitely has Serini's name all over it. So do please check out what he's doing and and uh, and, and feel free to get addicted. I would say as as you as you just referred to. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, I would like to close by uh, formally thanking my guest, Srini Rao. Srini, thank you so much for making the time to do this today. Very much appreciated. My pleasure. As I said, be sure to look for his book, The Art of Being Unmistakable, on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. Be sure to also check the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, which you can find on iTunes as well as through UnmistakableCreative.com. 
And remember that you can also follow at UnmistakableCR on Twitter. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, and hopefully even a five-star rating to go with it. That actually helps the show quite a bit. If you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there, and you can also follow, which is like subscribing. As I mentioned before, let's get your feedback on the show. Post your comments on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter, and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel on nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida, Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 33 of Now Hear This Entertainment. Entertainment.